So I'm speaking with composer uh, Sherry Chung, whose talents as a musical storyteller has quickly gained her attention as a prominent talent in the industry. She's worked on various projects, ranging from The Cleveland Show, Family Guy, The Flash, Blindspot, Riverdale, Riverdale, and many, many more. Sherry, thanks so much uh, for taking the time today. It's so great to chat. Thanks for having me on, Kaya. Appreciate it. Uh, so to start, I would love to know kind of your kind of your origin story, kind of what got you into music, and then at what point in your life did you decide, okay, I'm going to focus and make this my career and, and what I'm going to do for a living? Yeah, so I got started, I, I think I was a musical child, even though I didn't come from a musical family, and I was one of those like weird kids that begged my mother for piano lessons, and please, I really want to play. And then I would, you know, get up at six in the morning and just play all the time, you know, silly little pieces and stuff like that. Um, and then I, was, I um, started training classically on piano. And then around like age 12, my talent caught up with my age or, or the other way around. And it was just like, Ooh, this is, this is like not really for, I mean, you know, the classical performance is not really quite for me, but I, I did spend a lot of time um, playing in, in church groups and church bands and stuff like that. So I got a lot of great ensemble experience and even, even just, you know, you know, musical study of actual of music as well. And so I think that was a really great background. And then in, um, Probably around when I was 12, I forget when the movie came out, but I heard this amazing score, um, Michael Kamen's score to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I was like hooked. I'm like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, I, you know, so it was like fairly young age, but you know, at that age, you really also don't really know how to, how to pursue some of these things. So I just kind of, you know, just kept you know, sort of listening to scores when I could. Um, and then, you know, just I went to school. I, I did an undergrad in composition and theory, um, but it wasn't focusing on film scoring yet, um, which, I, which I'm really happy about that path, because I think it just gave me a really great background to, like, study the actual, you know, construction of music and the theory of music and the concepts. And, uh, you know, because writing a picture, I feel like it's something entirely different from just composing. Right. Um, or from, you know, from composing it well. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I feel like first and foremost, I'm a composer. And then, with the, even though that was always my goal to be a film composer, I did not actually study that until graduate school um, at the University of Southern California. So then I came out here and um, did the graduate program and then was, you know, like little hatchlings from the program, which is sort <laughs> of like released into the wild and like, go, go forth and send for yourself. And then, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, I've been just working my way up. So, so when you, yeah, so when you first kind of were let out into the world and it was up to you to kind of start finding your, kind of the first jobs, I mean, how do you go about kind of getting your foot in the door? What were the kind of the first big breaks you got and kind of the relationships that you built that kind of led to where you are right now? Yeah, so when you first, I think a lot of people experience this when they get out of school, just period. You're just like, oh, what do I do? And I think what's difficult about this particular industry is that there really isn't a, a clear set path. Like if you want to be a doctor or a surgeon, like you know the path you have to take and you, you go to school and you do your residency and all that. But it's, just, it's not that way here. You're, you know, you're no, you don't necessarily have an apprenticeship or an assistant position. Um, I was, I, I felt that I would make a pretty good assistant and I, w- I was really eager to kind of try and pursue, you know, I could try and pursue an assistant position, although I I don't, now that I think of it, I don't really think that I tried to do it, but I I did end up being an assistant to Walter Murphy, who writes for Family Guy and American Dad, and at the time was taking on the Cleveland show. And he he did not need an additional writer, he did not need, um, maybe he also didn't need anyone to get him coffee, so, but but it was an assistant position, it was where it was, you know, just doing 
some, some prepping things for his sessions and, and I got to go to the sessions every week and I and then eventually I worked my way up and became one of his orchestrators, which was which was really exciting. And it was a really great position for me because I think it allowed me it was a part time situation. So it allowed me to really just keep pursuing my own, you know, like, you know, doing student films and doing smaller projects and sort of you know, gaining traction in the in the much, much smaller, lower budget to no budget <laughs> type of projects that were just sort of word of mouth. So, um, yeah. which I think is really important when we're, you know, as younger composers, because then we can, we can really start to form a voice. So, so, you know, that, that was, it was, it was one of those things where it's like, we all just kind of have to just keep saying yes to, you know, to, to projects, one, because we need the money, but two, because we need to really be able to cut our teeth, you know, and, and like I said, try and find our musical voice. So that was really what I spent a lot of my time doing. And I did also some um, piano teaching on the side because I, you know, it was a great way to, to stay in touch with, um, you know, just the, the, not just pedagogy, but just also like, you know, sometimes when you teach things, you actually learn them even better. So it was a really great way to, to stay, sort of stay in touch with that. And of course, supplement income yeah <laughs> i mean that's really cool because i've talked <laughs> i've talked to many composers assistants who you know they barely have enough time to do anything and i'm like oh are you working on your own stuff and they are always like well not really i don't really have time for that but to be able to kind of shape your sound like that early in your career i think that that was really awesome yeah no it was it was definitely definitely important i think for me for my journey yeah yeah, yeah. i mean everyone's journey is different absolutely um so when when did you meet uh, Blake? Because Blake Neely is kind of a big part of your your life and your career. And I just interviewed uh, Blake uh, for the score for the SCL, and we did talk about how he kind of brought his team in and, and really embraced doing co composing and co credits and 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 really and and that's you know where you are now with Riverdale. Um, so kind of talk about that journey with meeting Blake, working with him, and how that kind of relationship has evolved over the years. Yeah, it's a, I, I think it's a fun story. I really enjoy telling it, actually. So I, I met Blake when he was an advisor at USC, and I was a student. And he, you know, he taught a class for a semester, and I was just, you know, one of one of the people in his in his in his class. And um, and I just stayed in touch with him. I was always really impressed with not only just his music, but like even like his sense of drama, which again I think is so is so. I mean that to me is like, well, I think for a lot of us, it's really the sole difference between composing and then composing to picture. And it was really translating that into the, into the drama and how you read a scene and translate that into music. And so I was always really impressed with that and learned a lot. And so I, I just stayed in touch with him over, over the years, you know, subsequent, you know, prior, uh, yeah, subsequent to, to graduating and, and just sort of, as I put it, like I professionally stalked him, you know, just like, <laughs> hey, you know, just, just gentle emails here and there, like just, hey, I'm still around. And maybe I'd send him a track or two, just, you know, again, I, I didn't, I didn't want to obviously inundate the, the guy. I knew he was very busy, but, um, and then a year after I graduated, um, I did, I ended up doing the Sundance Composer um, Lab in 2010, and that happened to be, which I didn't know at the time, but that happened to be his first year that he was becoming an advisor at that, um, in that workshop. So that was really, that was kind of what I would think is the more pivotal moment in our in our professional partnership, because that was the moment, you know, if, if you know anything about the Sundance Composer Lab, it's just a very, it's, it's six people, you know, in, an, in a very small, closed and, you know, intimate environment. And, and the advisors are really able to get to know everybody's music and, and really able to talk to people and you have to have personal conversations and really just dig into, you know, what the project at hand. So that was really, I think, a really great time for him to get to know my music and for us to talk more about, you know, my approach and how, and, and learn things from him. And then, um, 
when he took on, he was, and he started doing a pilot. Well, we, well, I'm sorry, we had to actually, we pitched together on a couple of things that just didn't pan out. And then I ended up being his vocalist for a couple of projects of his, right, which yeah. allowed us not, not so much on a compositional level, but you know, on, on just professionally, Hey, we, we do work together. That works out. We have a good back and forth and a good dialogue with each other. And then when he got the Supergirl pilot, that that was the call, <laughs> you know. That was the one for me. That was like, oh, okay. And he, you know, he said, "I gosh, you know, I, I really want. To, I really have this idea for this this part of the show and this part of um, Supergirl's character. And and you know, I've just I know your voice. I know your musical voice, and I know, you know, some of the styles that you do. And I know, you know. And so he brought me in to really try and develop with my sound. My, you know, I guess I guess already established sound, but. I've obviously grown a lot since then, but, you know, then, and and just, you know, and to sort of just help shape that, that, that pilot with him. And then from there, which, which was really great. And then it seemed like, and then I I worked on a bunch of other scenes and that they seemed to be a really great fit. And so um, I ended up writing for him on not only doing a lot of writing on Supergirl, um, but then also Legends of Tomorrow, which was another, uh, you know, DC comic um, show um, and I and I no longer work on those two anymore, but I do. Uh, it, it did lead to Blind Spot, which I now have a co-credit with Blake, as well as Riverdale, which I also have a co-credit for. So it just sort of grew from from the Supergirl and kind of being brought in for that reason. And and then obviously, as we know, Blake has expanded his his team, and so I'm I'm pretty happy to be to be a part of that and be able to grow grow his business with him, and as well as you know growing my own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about uh, working on Riverdale because that's such a, I mean, it, it's part of like popular culture phenomenon now and, and getting to kind of, you're getting now to shape the kind of the musical world about this. So like, what, what, what kind of musical world is Riverdale and what do the stories and characters need from the score that you're you know providing? Yeah, so, so Riverdale um, is such a fun show to work on. I, I think that the creator, Roberto, of that show is just, is so amazing and we love working with him. He's um, so so when when Blake was developing the sound of the show and, and I was I was you know he was lead composer at the time so I was sort of helping him develop right, that right. with with his lead and um, one of the things that we were describing it as you know it just it should the music should feel almost like a blanket like a warm blanket wrapped around this this like world very stylized visual world um, something that Roberto was telling us at the very beginning when he was when he was creating the show and we were bringing and again we were writing the music and figuring out the sound is he said he wanted it to he wanted the audience to not really know what decade we're in you know when you watch mm. the show you see cell phones and laptops but you also see like 70s muscle cars and 50s cars and you have a diner and you have you know even the costumes are taken from sort of multiple genres and, and decades of, uh, of fashion and stuff and so that was one of the things that he wanted the music, you know, and something that Blake and I discussed as well, that, you know, okay, so we, we can't, we don't want to go dated with the music. We don't want to ever put it in, in a specific decade. That said, we will branch out to, you know, sometimes it's fun to use 80s synths and, and some of these sort of throwback classic sounds and, and not only film scoring, especially since we've moved a little bit into the horror genre feeling in some yeah. cases. So I would say that, yeah, I would say that the function of our score in this show is really to lay, you know, just a sonic bed. This is this is how I see it too. Is like you know laying down a sonic bed where the story can unfold and the characters can develop. And it doesn't. You know there are definitely times when we need to do you know oh the scare and the and really push something if it's you know it needs pace or something like that. But most of the time it's 
I feel like the, the approach is, is more towards, um, you know, just, just having, having it provide the right context for things to unfold and for it to sit when it needs to sit and, and also move when it, when it needs to move. So it's not something that's really turning a bunch of corners and, and commenting on every single piece of action. And, you know, of course, the, the writing and the acting is so great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, So when you're, I mean, when you're handling a television show, and uh, I talked to Blake a little bit about it, um, but I kind of get your point of view too. Is like when you have these kind of like season long arcs with you know characters and reveals and and things that kind of develop early in the season and then kind of pay off at the end of the season. uh, Are you able to kind of work on that musically? Um, Do you get to kind of look at the scripts and or the outlines maybe and know where the season's going, or do you kind of handle just each episode one at a time and just kind of take it as it comes. So, yeah, I, I feel like with, with the arc of the, of the whole thing, we, we, we know at the beginning, you know, like last year we had a conversation with Roberto and we're like, Hey, so what's season two? What's the big thing in season two? And, and, and um, you know, he told us about the black hood, but we didn't really want to know more than that. Like we didn't know what, I don't want to know who the black hood is. I don't want to know <laughs> anything about, about that because you know, you might give it away musically, you know, you might not. And, and plus it's just, you know, I mean, look, we can probably, we don't get much time to watch other things. So this is going to be my source of entertainment as well. <laughs> I want to be surprised. I want to take the journey with the audience as it were. Um, but, but we do, we do get some sort of like overarching or arching thing just so that we have, you know, we, it, 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 it is actually really, I think it's good to know that so that we can at least say, okay, this is a spot where we really need to develop a sound here because, right. you know, Hiram is coming back and Hiram is going to be very much a part of season two. So that was something that I really worked on. It was, okay, I need to create a sound for Hiram and expand the sound of the lodges to sort of, you know, again, lay, set some sort of foundation, musical foundation for that story to unfold and give us some motifs and some things to go from. So, so to a certain extent, yes. And then very specifically, no, because it's, again, it's a little bit entertaining and we don't want to accidentally give it away. And, um, but yeah, those, but those, I think those, I think the conversations are very important at the very beginning, just to kind of get um, and throughout. So, and sometimes we'll get that, get that note as well. Like, Hey, you know, you know, create something for this, Thing, this 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 character because this is this is going to be a uh, you know a, a growing storyline right right or developing storyline yeah. yeah but I think it's I mean it's great as a I think for you too because you get to react to it kind of organically and then you kind of can hone in like oh what was my emotional reaction right there and it, it kind of you already get that emotional uh, feed for you so you know right? how to translate that musically yeah yeah i mean i mean right and there's something to be said for like first impression there's exactly. something to be said for like your first instinct and it's like okay that you know some oftentimes it has to be a little bit revised but oftentimes concept of the first instinct is, is the one so, so you're right i think that i think that you know not knowing those things ahead of time really helps with the development of the music in that way yeah yeah um so kind of looking at your process overall you know it doesn't have to be uh television or film or anything like that but and i know this this question will and the answer might be different for every project but for you when you're starting on something whether you're sitting in front of you know a blank slate um and you're trying to find that first spark of inspiration that first note i mean where does that first note come from i mean do you have a kind of a process where you look for that first note do you look at a an image do you look at the the first cut do you read the script i mean is there kind of are you just kind of take on what the project kind of speaks to you every different time so yeah i i feel like so you know that there are some composers that probably really don't like 
to hear any temp music. You know, they don't they don't really want to hear necessarily someone else's ideas for the for the project. They kind of want to go into it themselves and and figure it out. And I and I kind of split the difference between that. So so I, I guess I mean I, I guess that's musical. But before I get even to that part. Um, definitely having a dialogue with the creator or the writer or the director, whoever, or the showrunner, whoever, whoever is the one who would know the direction, at least, you know, whoever talks about that and just have a dialogue of like, let's just talk about your story. (laughs) Let's just talk dramatically. Let's not talk musically. Let's just talk like drama and, and what is the story that you're trying to tell? And then I think, I try and think about, okay, then what is the function of the score? Because if left to my own devices, I mean, I'll just like paint all over this thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, that's not really necessary. You know, this is because it's like, oh, I just want to write. So I feel like obviously this is this is you know writing writing to picture is that you you need to write to the picture and, and is dictated by the picture and the story. So um, I definitely after that conversation with you know a director or a showrunner, then I like to think about okay, what is what is the function of the score overall globally, and then you can go scene by scene, and then and then to answer your question about like where does that first note come from? I mean, I don't know. I I probably <laughs> I probably panic for a little bit, and then <laughs> and then from from that panic, I feel like um, I I don't know. I like I said, sometimes I do like to hear a little bit of the temp and just a little, or, or just at least references of like, hey, what tonally. What were we thinking? And and then from there, I do go like, okay, totally. Before we're talking about, is it C or do I write in F sharp or do I, or is it major or is it minor? I just more go like, well, what's what's the tone? What's the feel? What what do I need to feel right now? And then, you know, I I probably start improvising on piano first. I mean, that's my main instrument. It's also just my, and you know, I can what, if I hear a piano, I can also hear the other instruments that might replace the piano. Yeah. So um. I, I, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's a very tactile thing, obviously. Right, right. So I feel like, I feel like that's, I feel like for me, that's just how I start kind of noodling around and then coming up with, with concepts that way. But definitely, you know, conversation, then drama, then tone, and then finally, like a note. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's a, I oh, mean, sorry. After panic, after yeah. panic and fear, and yes. <laughs> Um, then, then, then the note. Then the note. Um, so overall, in your experience so far, have you found kind of any genres that you really love writing for? I mean, do you really love horror? Do you really love drama? I mean, is there something just, I mean, your personal taste that you really kind of gravitate towards? I, my personal taste, you know what, it's funny, and this is probably going to sound like a very diplomatic answer, <laughs> but like, but, but I think it's really, tr- I think it's really true. Like I, I mean, you know what, you know what, there's a part of me and this is, you know, there's a part of me that actually feels like I, I don't have enough experience doing a lot of different genres. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't, I haven't done a bunch of horror. I haven't done a bunch of comedy. But yes, I've done a little smattering of each of those things of like a lot of different genres. And there's a part of me that just feels like a lot of them are, are still really exciting to me because I feel for me as a composer, like they're really largely unexplored. So I, I, I kind of am loving every different genre. It's like, I, I kind of love that drama. And then I love, you know, what we're doing on Riverdale and then, and then the, the really fast paced, aggressive stuff that, that happens on blind spot. But then also, you know, I loved working. I love doing the very heroic things, the very orchestral things and the horror and the comedy. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's all kind of like this huge, amazing playground that I'm like, I haven't really, you know, I, I, I just, I kind of just want to do more of, of all of it. So, right, so, yeah. Because like I said, it's just it's just it's still like a creative, you know, playground and sandbox. And I'm like, I 
I, I haven't, I haven't played with those toys yet. You know, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's kind of exciting. All of it, all of it's really exciting to me. So, uh, I know, you know, I know you're really busy right now with some current projects. Is there any upcoming projects that you have that uh, we don't know about yet or that haven't happened yet that you can talk about? <laughs> yeah, I know. Besides the season renewals of, of um, Blind Spot and River. Right, congrats. Um, on those. I'm starting a, a two. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I, and I'm, I'm very excited. I, I think I, I'm excited to see where those, where those ones go and, um, uh, and how we get to develop more of that music. So, I'm doing a, I'm starting probably later this summer, like a two-part documentary, um, not like a series, but just a kind of a two-part thing on some, some heady material, which I, I always really like, and I always really enjoy doing documentaries because they, again, I love working, you know, in, in, in the fiction world and that kind of way, but there's also something really amazing about touching base with, you know, m- much more human experiences and like yeah. something that can really like make, make a statement. And I think, and, and that stuff gets really heady and, you know, which I mean, it doesn't always have to, it can be, can be fun documentaries too. Right. This one's not, but, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, so, so that's exciting. And then um, as a songwriter, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, going into studio and just kind of pulling up for, for a little while and writing some songs. And I mean, I, I, I can't be as rock star and say like, oh yeah, I'm going to come up with an album, but, like, <laughs> but that's the that's the goal, you know, just to kind of come up with some new material and just some, you know, just to kind of kick out the walls of creativity and something that's not the picture, which which I love writing the picture, but I think I think it's I think for me it's it's part of it's part of my uh, filling of the creative well, as it were, to also write away from picture, yeah. um, and just and have basically different parameters in which to, to write. So not parameters of time or scene or tone, but just sort of, you know, explore other things. And hopefully all that will lead back to, you know, to new ideas for, for next season and future projects. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting. And um, I think it's always important to do that. I always talk to composers and they love writing, you know, away from picture, you, you stimulate a different part of your brain and it's just different, you know, music organically just born out of ideas versus, mirroring what someone else is telling you to try to do which is always different you know <laughs> um yes yeah which which is which is also kind of exciting as a as a as a you know creative challenge yeah. for those kinds of restraints too but you're right it's definitely it's good to have i think a, a good balance of both absolutely well i've, I've enjoyed kind of watching and, and seeing you grow into into your sound and, and your career as it kind of grows more and and i just wanted to thank you again sherry for your time today for chatting it's been such awesome. a great awesome time to pick your brain and get into your process so i really thank appreciate it and i can't wait to, to hear what comes next <laughs> awesome thanks so much for letting me share i appreciate it <laughs>